Hey, what's going on, Victory family? I'm so excited to be with you, whether you're watching from your living room or your bedroom or on your phone. We get to continue our series that we started last week called Soul Hunger. This entire series has been built on a foundational verse that you can find in Matthew chapter 16, verse 26, where Jesus says, hey, what good is it for a man to gain the entire world but lose his soul? And the idea that we presented was what good would it be for us to get back everything that we lost, to go back to work and to go back to the gym and to go back to eating at all the restaurants? What good would it be to get all of that back and yet lose our soul? To be so focused on the outside that we lose the inside. We kind of set it around this question. What is the blueprint for a healthy soul? In week one, we talked about a happy soul and having a happy soul. And in order to do that, we had to return our soul to God. We had to return to a relationship with Jesus Christ. And not just a relationship with Jesus, but a right relationship with Jesus. And today we're going to look at a verse in Psalm 131 where David gives us kind of another attribute of a healthy soul. And so here we go. Psalm 131 Verse two says this, surely I have calmed, and watch this, and I've quieted my soul. Like a weaned child with his mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. He says, I have quieted my soul. Now that's very interesting to me that, again, you may not always have a quiet soul, but to be able to have a healthy soul, we have to learn how to be able to quiet our soul. So here we go. I'm going to give you the title for the sermon today, and I want you to put it in the comments. All right, you ready? Put this. When Woosah doesn't work. What, what do we do when Woosah doesn't work? Y'all ever seen that whole, somebody just Woosah, Woosah, all my bad boy fans out there. But, but how do we do that? How do we have a quiet soul? The author of this psalm said that they had learned how to quiet their soul. How to, David had a noisy life right? It was full of ups and downs. And whether he was fighting giants or fighting bears, whether he was being chased by Saul, he was constantly, whether he was being anointed king, there was constant ups and downs, ups and downs. And yet he said, I have learned how to quiet my soul. And I think that step two to this blueprint of having a healthy soul is for us to learn how to do just that, how to quiet our soul. Now, hear what I'm saying. We, we can't always have a quiet soul. There are going to be times of you know, anxiety or times of insecurity or times of fear because life is full of up and downs. But the importance is to learn how to be in a noisy world and learn how to quiet our soul, right? And how do we do that? How do we have a quiet soul in a noisy world? If you think about it, we tend to believe that in order to have a quiet soul, we need to have a quiet place. But I don't know about you, this world for me is not a quiet place. It's hard for me to actually find any kind of silence in my daily routine. Matter of fact, researchers said that the average human being, listen to this, you ready? Here's 20,000 to 30,000 words in one day. 20,000. So between what we're watching, what we're reading, who we're talking to, everything that we're taking in, we're hearing, we're processing 20 to 30,000 words words a day. There's no way that we're going to find peace in that, right? 
right? That's what we think. Matter of fact, nowadays we all have a phone in our pocket and that phone has the ability to, to ding and let us know that we've got a text message or an email. And so no matter what we're doing, when that ding goes off, we start to look around and wonder, well, who is that? What do they want? Did they like that picture? Did they not like that picture? Did they comment on that? Am I in trouble? You know what? We All these feelings start to come with this phone. And so once again, there's no silence. There's no peace. Every day we're dealing with what the news is saying, what our family is saying, what our job is saying. We're dealing with society, social media. We have all of this noise around us. And yet, if we want to have a healthy soul, you ready? Here we go. We are going to have to learn how to quiet our soul when we are surrounded by noise. So how do we do that? How do, the blueprint to having a healthy soul. How do we learn to quiet our soul when we're surrounded by noise? I want to give you just two thoughts. Two thoughts. And then, of course, you're going to have a study guide this week to go even deeper. Number one is this. A quiet soul begins with what you let in. A quiet soul begins with what you let in. In Psalm 42.5, the author says this. Why my soul are you downcast? You see that? Why are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Does that sound familiar to you? Have you ever had that moment where you're like, why do I feel this way, right? Like, like, why am I so sad? You're watching this movie and all of a sudden the tears start to run down your, your face and you're like, why, why is this such a big deal for me? Why am I so emotional about this? Or, or how about this? Why am I so angry? I don't know why I'm reacting to that individual or to that situation like that. Why do I feel this way? That's what the author of the psalm is saying. Soul, why are you downcast? Why am I so disturbed? Why do I feel this way? All right, I'm going to give you a thought. I'm going to give you one of those tweetable moments. And if you don't hear anything else I say, hear this. You ready? If you want to know, why do I feel this way? Why am I angry? Why am I sad? Here we go. The condition of your soul is dictated by the content that you let in. The condition of your soul will reflect the content that you're letting in, right? So how many of you got Netflix, right? If you got Netflix, put put, put those little emoji hands in the, in the comments, right? If, if you're a Netflix, maybe you guys are more Hulu people or Amazon Prime. If you have Netflix and you go to create your little character, there is going to be a process where you can put restrictions and, and all of these things that will help decide what kind of content is available for that character. So for example, on our Netflix account, we have my little character and Darla's character and the girl's character because once you click your character, you can then go back to what you have watched or or you know shows that are themed more to what you like. But if you go to the girl's characters, we've put restrictions on them because there's certain shows and movies that we don't want to be available to their character, right? So there's these restrictions that you can set up that again, dictate the content that's available for that character. Now watch where I'm going with this. It's important for us to set up some restrictions in our life that determine the content that comes to our soul. It's important for us to start monitoring, better yet, to start stewarding what we're allowing in our soul. Right off the bat, who are you allowing to speak into your soul, right? If, if we surround ourselves with gossip and lies and negative information, things that aren't important, what are we watching? What are we listening to? Those 20,000 to 30,000 words, who's determining them? 
How are we stewarding our soul? Because if we don't steward it well, then whatever we allow, watch this, what our soul will eventually be determined by its surroundings. So here's the question for you. Who is stewarding your surroundings? Is it just out there for whatever? Can anybody say anything to you? Do you allow any content, whether true or not, whether negative or positive, whether scripturally based or not? Do we just allow it to come in? Because if we start to believe that our soul's condition is determined by the content that we are allowing into our soul, then maybe we'll start to be a little bit more serious about what exactly we allow in. The other day, Casey Ray's sitting down, she's getting ready to eat lunch, and I was going to put a Netflix show on for her to watch. And here, I'll just be honest with you, she's a little indecisive, and so sometimes I get angry just trying to pick a show for her because she'll take forever. And so I'm sitting there and I'm clicking through all of her shows and I'm like, you know, do you want My Little Pony or do you want Barbie? And she's, no, dad, no, dad. And I'm, I'm getting angry. So the next show is a show called Captain Underpants. And so I look at her and I said, hey, do you, how about you just want to watch Captain Underpants? And my five-year-old daughter looked at me and I promise you she said that. She looked at me and she goes, dad, I'm not allowed to watch that. And I remember I stepped back. I don't know the reason. Obviously, it's a decision that her mom has made and I'm fine with it. But something about that show, Darla saw and said, Casey Ray doesn't need to be watching it. And watch this, my five-year-old daughter, she could have said, she could have just kept her mouth shut. I wouldn't have known. And I would have played this show that she knew she wasn't supposed to be watching. But at five years old, she was able to stand up and go, hey, Dan, I'm not allowed to watch that. Listen to me. All right, get ready. Soul care is not selfish. Soul care is being a good steward, all right? It's not selfish of you to care for your own soul. It's okay for you to say, hey, I can't watch that. Or hey, I can't listen to that. Or you know what? I can't talk to you right now. Or I can't go there. Or I can't have this interaction. It's okay for us to steward our soul. You know, there's certain people you just shouldn't hang out with. It's okay for you to take a day off. Hey, can I, can I set you free for a moment? You don't have to answer that text message the moment they send it. Just put the phone away for a couple of hours. You are responsible for your soul. No one else is. And it's not selfish of you. I think I'm setting some people free this right now. It's not selfish of you to steward your own soul. The condition of your soul begins with what you let in. And you're responsible for that. I'll show you right now how important this is. Watch this. In 1 Peter chapter 2, Peter is talking about you know, the distractions and the content we take in and the desires of our sinful heart. Watch this. He says, Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles, watch this, to abstain from sinful desires. Why? All this distraction, all this content that is not of God, that's coming your way, you should not have anything to do with it. Why? Why? Because it will wage war against your soul. Because there's stuff out there. Can I, uh, there's stuff out there and its only mission is to wage war against your soul. There's content out there. There's conversation out there. There are people out there and their only mission is to wage war against your soul. And I, this, that's how serious this is. 
And once we start to really understand that, that there's content out there, there's people out there, there's conversation out there, there's environments out there whose only goal is to wage war against my soul, then we will start to understand the importance of that. And we will start to take it serious when it comes to stewarding our soul. Some of us need the spirit of Casey Ray. We just need to be able to stand up and say, you know what? I can't watch that. I can't do that. And when someone says you're selfish, say, I'm sorry, it's soul care. I'm setting you, I'm giving you, I'm giving you words right now. Just say it's soul care. I'm stewarding my soul. So that's number one. Number one, if we want to be able to quiet our soul in the middle of a noisy world, a noisy culture, if we want to know how to quiet our soul, it starts with us stewarding the content that we let in. And if we understand that and we start to understand that there is a war against our soul, then watch this. If there's going to be a war waged against our soul, then what we need is a guardian. Not that kind of guardian, but I do think a quiet soul needs a guardian. Matter of fact, Peter thought the same thing. Watch what Peter says about Jesus in 1 Peter chapter 2. We're going to look at verses 23 through 25, and it says this. He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds, you are healed. And once you were like sheep who wandered away, watch this, but now you have turned to your shepherd, the guardian of your souls. So Peter's saying, hey, Jesus is the guardian of our souls. If you understand that there's a war against your soul, and yet you want to have a healthy soul, what was Dave, what, what did David know that allowed David to be able to quiet his soul amongst all of the noise? He knew that he had a guardian of his soul, and that guardian is God, right? We have to allow him to be that. You know, I had a job. I was probably about 17 years old, and I had a job at a car wash. And it was one of those car washes, if you've ever been there, where there's nobody in the car, and the car kind of goes through on like a conveyor belt system, and it's washing. And my job was in detail. So once the car would come out, this is actually what would happen. The car would kind of be spit out of the conveyor belt system and there were speed bumps and the car would kind of hit the speed bumps and slow down a little bit. And me as the detailer, I had to run and get the car and then I would bring, I'd jump in the car, start the car and then bring it over for detailing. So I was kind of like the guardian of these cars because if I didn't do my job, there was an opening right there. The car would go out of the car wash parking lot and into six lanes of traffic, okay? So again, I had to run, jump in the car, and of course the speed bumps would often stop it, so I wasn't that important, but I was the guardian of these cars. One day, it was a Saturday, it was super busy, cars were coming in like crazy, and they had a bunch of us detailers or guardians, and we were all just focused. We were all cleaning or detailing cars, and this car kind of got shot out, of the conveyor belt system and it hit the speed bumps and it slowed down, but it was so busy that before we got to it, another car got shot out of the conveyor belt. And when it did, it hit the bumper of the first car and it pushed it over the speed bumps and it pushed the car into six lanes of traffic. I still, I didn't get fired, but I had to actually run out into the middle of this road called Stage Road. I had to run out into the middle of it, jump into this car, start it, and then bring it back, right? So I wasn't the best at being the guardian of the cars. Now, why would I tell you that story? I say that to ask you this question, you ready? To what or to whom 
have you assigned the responsibility of guarding your soul? Did you get that? If you didn't, stop for a second, get a piece of paper, and write this question down because this is the question that matters the most. To whom or to what have you assigned the responsibility of being the guardian of your soul? Everybody has put something or someone in the place, in the position of being the guardian of their soul. Kids, for example, when they're young, they probably believe that their parents are the guardian of their soul. Some of us put it into substance. Some of us put it into our spouse, right? Let me tell you what most people do when it comes to the responsibility of being the guardian of their soul. Most people make it themselves. That's what we do. I'll show you some examples. We think if we get more control of the situation, then our soul will be at more peace, right? Man, if I could just get a handle of my finances, or if I could just get a new job, or if I could just have a day off, if I, if I, if I, if I could just find the right person, if I could just have kids, if I could just get rid of my kids, if I could just find a new person, right? It's always about us. If I could get better control of my situation, then my soul could be at peace. What is that saying? I am the controller of my soul. I am the guardian of my soul. You ready for an enlightenment? Here we go. If you want to have peace in your soul, it's not about getting more control. It's about releasing control. It's about allowing God to be the guardian. Once we allow God to be the guardian, hey, we can be released from it. And watch this. The, the peace of our soul is no longer determined on how we're doing. It's determined on somebody who never messes up, who never makes a mistake, who in the middle of a COVID-19 doesn't lose peace, right? It's not about us. It's not about our spouse or our parents or our kids. It's not dependent on any situation. It's not dependent on if we're married or if we're single. It's not dependent on if we have money or if we don't. Those things are not the guardian of our soul. It has to be God. Now, here's what Peter's saying. Peter's already letting you know, this is already who God wants to be. The question is not, will God want to guard your soul? The question is not, if God can guard your soul. He's already, matter of fact, he's made it one of his names. He's the good shepherd. He's the guardian of your soul. It's not if he wants to or if he can. It's if you're going to allow him to be. If you're going to activate or empower the opportunity for him to be that. So the other day, I felt like I was praying through this for you, for me, and I felt like God dropped this real life illustration into my heart that I wanted to share with you that I hope will really send this concept home. So I got back from the gym, and as I get out of my car, my next door neighbor, he's outside, kind of in my driveway, and the young lady that lives across the street from us, little small street, she's outside, and they're having a conversation. So I get out of the car, and I join in the conversation. And what I find out is that the young lady that lives across the street from us, her car had gotten broken into the night before. Now that was really weird for me. We have a pretty pretty peaceful neighborhood. And so it got my interest in, and in the conversation with her and some of the details, what we arrived was this, that when she went to bed that night, she forgot to lock her door. So she left her wallet in her car and she forgot to lock the door. 
Now, I knew because I have a lot of friends that live around the area, a lot of people who go to our church, and I've heard stories about, you know, young guys who will go around at night and they'll start grabbing door handles. And if the door's locked, you know, they're just they're just young kids. And so they they move on. But the door's unlocked. They'll open it. And I'm sure if there's a wallet there, they'll steal it. The reason why I knew they were just young is because they actually threw the wallet away a couple of streets over and didn't take anything. But I hear this story, I'm in this conversation, and I'm, you know, we're talking about how she should have locked the doors. And, and, and she says to me, you should lock your door. I said, hey, I'm from Memphis. I lock my door when it's in the garage. You know what I mean? Like, that's, I'm always locking my door. So the next morning, I'm at the gym. And I start processing this story. And I'm, I'm praying about this. I'm praying about you. I'm praying about this for me. And, and God brings it to my mind that, hey, this manufacturer that made this vehicle had provided all of the things it needed to be able to be defended, to be able to have the doors locked so that unwanted people and unwanted situations cannot get in. The manufacturer built it that way, that all you gotta do is push the button and the doors will lock and it will it will stop unwanted people from getting in, right? All you have to do is lock it. She had all she needed, but she didn't activate it. Listen to me, God has already said, I will guard your soul. I will be the protector of your soul. I will do all I can to make sure that nothing that's unwanted gets in and to be able to defend it. He's already said he'll do that. We just have to activate it. We just have to be, we just have to put it into motion. Well, what does that look like, Troy? Well, let's just go through some of the things. And I'm going to put more of this on our study guide this week so we can do this. But right off the bat, it starts with scripture. Philippians 4.8 says, think on these things, right? And then he gives us all of these good things that we're supposed to be thinking on. This is one of the ways we make God the guardian of our soul is through scripture, to read scripture and to read those truths so that they can battle against the lies that we're hearing on a daily basis. Another way to make God the guardian of our soul is just through prayer. Just spend time talking to him, right? To be able to allow you and influence you. Another way is the Holy Spirit to allow the Holy Spirit to say to you, hey, have you ever been in a conversation before and all of a sudden you felt this in your heart that said, I I shouldn't be in this conversation? That was the Holy Spirit. You ever been in an environment, watching a show, listening to a song? You ever been watching something on social media and you just felt something and you go, I shouldn't be doing this. That's the Holy Spirit. That's God trying to guard your soul. And so these are just a couple of ways. Prayer, the Holy Spirit, reading scripture, having godly friends and godly counselor. These are just a few things that we can do that we can put around in our lives to allow God to be the guardian of our soul. We want a quiet, peaceful soul in a noisy world. How do we do that? Number one, you got to monitor and steward what you're letting in. Number two, you got to activate and empower God to be the guardian of your soul. In Exodus, there's a cool line where you kind of see what happens when we allow God to be the guardian of our soul. Exodus 23 verse 22 says this, if you listen carefully to what he says and do all that I say, if you will focus all on what God says, scripture, what Jesus is saying, watch this. God says, I will be an enemy to your enemies and I will oppose those who oppose you. Come on. Is that not good? God becomes an enemy to my enemies, and he opposes those who oppose me. Remember how we talked about how there's a war waging against your soul? You have to imagine if we were doing this this illustration, you have to imagine all these soldiers running with guns because they're about to wage war against your soul. 
And if it's all about you and how, how much peace you can bring amongst yourself, then it's you versus them. But God says, when you make me the guardian of your soul, your enemies become my enemies. And those who oppose you, I will oppose. In other words, those that are coming after your soul to wage war, God stands up and with his mighty hand, he defeats them. He defends you. He is your defender. He is your guardian. Yeah, I'll show this last illustration and then we'll pray. About a year or so ago, we uh, we had planted the church. The church was about a year or so old. And there was this post on social media of me preaching. And I was just in regular clothes, jeans and a t-shirt, whatever it might have been. And there was this particular individual that I knew in Memphis who was very religious, very opinionated. And this person post, posted a comment on that picture uh, judging me, judging what I was wearing and speaking in a negative way towards me, going after my soul, right? This person had waged war against my soul. And I remember I wanted so bad to respond. Look, and again, I, I, I've raised up in Memphis. I've, I've got an ability to come back, right? I, I work for a living with my words. I could say some things, but the Holy Spirit said to me, no, 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 no. Don't fight your own battles. Let me fight your battles, right? He said, I'm the guardian of your soul. You just sit there. I'll defend you. And I just felt the peace of God say, don't do anything. And I just left it alone. This person all over social media, thousands of people could see this with this person judging me and saying something bad about me. And I just chose to leave it alone. Now that was that morning, probably eight o'clock. By about 1030, I was leaving the gym and I remember looking at that same post and there was like 60 posts of people who were just coming and they were, they were, they were going after her, not in a meanful or hateful way, but they were standing up for me. They were saying great things about me and my family and our church. And that for a moment, the Lord reminded me of that. And what had happened is my enemy had become the enemy to my family. And my family was coming in my defense. And I just felt God say, that's the same thing. When you allow the spirit of God to be the guardian of your soul, when something wages war against your soul, you don't have to fight it. The spirit of God steps up and fights for you. Your enemy becomes his enemy. And he or she or it that opposes you, God opposes them. That's how we do it, church. If we want a peaceful soul in a noisy world, number one, we got to steward what we let in. And number two, we got to empower God to be the guardian of our soul. I want to encourage you this week. We're going to release the study guide, whether it's with your circle, whether it's with your family, or whether it's just during your personal quiet time. I pray you continue to connect back with God like we talked about last week, like the cordless phone being put on the charger base. But hey, while you're studying this week, ask yourself, what are some things that I'm letting in? Where are some areas where I'm not stewarding or guarding my soul well? And where are some areas that I can empower God to be the guardian of my soul? I want to pray with you, but before I do that, I want to give an opportunity for those of you that are watching, and maybe you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior. And how is God going to be the guardian of your soul if he's not the Savior of your life? And so the Bible says you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth. And so you can say this prayer. You can just say, God, forgive me for I'm a sinner, and I pray that you would come and forgive me of my sins. Wipe what was, what was once red, now white as snow, right? And I want a relationship. I want you to be my Savior. You can pray that prayer. It's that easy. And then I want to encourage you. There's a number going to come on the screen. I want to ask you to text VICTORY18 to that number. And what that allows us to do is just contact you, encourage you, pray with you, try and disciple a little bit more of what it means to have a relationship with Jesus Christ.
And then once you have that, you can really start praying and believing for him to be the guardian of your soul. Let's make that our prayer this week. God, guard my soul so that I can be at peace in a noisy world. Can we pray? Father, we thank you right now. We thank you for your word and that it's alive. We thank you that that is one of your names, our guardian of our soul. And that, Lord, in a time where it's never been more noisy, we don't know what's true. We don't know what to listen to. We don't know what to take in. We've got a cell phone in the entire world right there in our pocket. And everywhere we look, there's noise. I had a friend tell me this week, I can't find a moment of silence. And yet, God, we're supposed to be able to bring our soul into a quiet place. So, Father, help us do that. Let us start, first of all, by just stewarding what we do. I pray you'd bring conviction on all of our hearts right now, areas in our life where we're letting things in that we shouldn't let in. And then, Lord, you would give us the ability to empower you as being the guardian of our soul so that our soul can be quieted and find peace during this time. Father, we love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.